Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for everyone. I'm nervous. Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 39-year-old from Cardiff, Wales, a staple of the Cardiff Minor Hockey Program, but is best known for his time captaining the Sheffield Steelers and Great Britain's men's team with Sheffield in the IHL, EIHL. He's played over a 1,000 games, won a Challenge Cup, another one with Cardiff, four times was a playoff champion and four league titles with Great Britain in the World Juniors was a bronze medalist with the Great Britain men as the captain, a three-time silver medalist and back-to-back gold medalist climbing all the way to the Pool A with the big boys and is widely known around the hockey world as the best human to ever play for the Sheffield Steelers. Welcome to the podcast, Jonathan Phillips. You didn't freeze, did you, when we just started? Oh, there you are. You're back. Yeah. Little uh, little technical error there. I think it was my Wi-Fi, maybe. Oh, that's all right. Well, hopefully it doesn't happen too often. <laughs> <laughs> so did you hear that intro at least? Because we're live. We're doing I it. I did. I did, mate. That was very nice. Okay. Well, I get into how we know each other. Um, and I guess it's mainly the Devils versus Steelers um, when I was in the league for a very short period um, compared to you. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess it was 2008 was my first time playing against you when I was a Beatingheim Steeler. Um, we came for a weekend. You were already the captain. And I can't believe you are still the captain now. That's a long time ago. I, I can remember those games against them. Were you there when we went over to Beatingheim? No, we came to you and played in uh, not the big arena, the little one. Maybe it was the year before then, because the year before we went, we went over to Beatenheim, and I was unreal for like a preseason thing. Whew. Nice town, eh? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was real. I spent some time in that town. Yeah, they they have a few establishments. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, walking around that place. We were trying to find somewhere to go, and it was I think it was like eleven, twelve o'clock at night and we were like oh this place is dead there's nothing going on and then within the hour it was like things were just beginning it's like oh here we go yeah no you you gotta know where to go or talk to people but uh it is a bit of a small town okay the other way we know each other though is my mates or buddies uh depending who you're talking to um but the all the guys that played on gb with you bouncy richie mizey bachi um, all of those boys, uh, always raved about you and always talked about their time with GB. So that's why I knew I wanted to have you on. Um, but the main reason was, uh, what you just did for Matthew Myers that I, I was, uh, sitting in my sauna early one morning and, uh, watching you guys play on TSN 
And I'm watching, I'm going, Jesus, when did Mizey become the captain? Why is he wearing the C? And then the announcers explained to me that uh, you had given it up to him for his 100th game, right? Yeah, it was, I think we, um, we were due to have our 100th cup on the same game, but the year before, he, he missed two games because of a blister on his foot. So he had oh this rotten Matthew, blister. blister. Exactly. Um, so he was, I, I remember him saying before we went to Latvia, he was like, oh, you know, miss out the first two games so that we can do it together. So I thought, no, nah, I'll just, you can have the C instead. I'll get mine and then you can have yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was really cool that you did that for him because uh, to wear the C for, I guess, your country or um, I guess a few countries, really, um, Great yeah. Britain in general. Um, but that must be pretty special. And that uh, I guess it's tough for him because he would have never been able to be the captain because you always were. So it was nice of you to let him do that for once. Eh? Yeah, no, he, I, I remember him saying that he, he'd never captained a team and um you know i just thought you know 100th game is, is is something special he's one of my best friends i've known him since we were kids um and i just i mean but i mean you know mizey he's he's a leader through and through anyway so you know it, i suppose i was just the lucky guy who got to wear wear the letter i guess over the years I right, well yeah you're both leaders but uh yeah, everybody raves about both of you, and congrats to Matthew on his new deal in Nottingham, so I'm looking forward to having him on once he gets settled. That's it. That's a good signing, you know? He just wins everywhere he goes, right? He does. He does. He uh, He's made a habit of it, that's, that's for sure, but, I mean, you can see in the way he plays, can you, that he's, he's you know, he's going to do whatever it takes, the raging ball. Yeah, and he's just a teammate, right? He'll do whatever it takes to win, I guess, kind of like you. So, Next question, where and what are you doing now? So I'm in Sheffield. I'm sat in the office, which is it feels like a sauna because it's red hot today. Um, the kids are about to go to, to hockey. Um, but yeah, no, we, we settled up in Sheffield. Uh, not We didn't plan on it. It just kind of happened when we moved from Cardiff. It was kind of, um, you know, we I think I was 20... 425 um obviously wanted to get on the on the property ladder and uh, i mean the prices in cardiff were, were kind of crazy and we couldn't really afford that so we thought well we'll buy a house up here and we only ever signed one year contracts in in, in sheffield and 15 years later is that right here, that and, was one of my yeah. questions um i was a one-year contract guy my whole career but i thought it would be totally different for a guy like you <laughs> yeah no it was I mean, and let's be fair, it's only two weeks notice in our deals anyway. So whether you sign a one-year or five-year, it's only two weeks. So but no, it, yeah, only ever one-year contract. I think I think the one year I signed a two-year uh, when I had my testimonial there. Um, but yeah, I just loved what we were doing here in Sheffield. And as, as soon as you start having kids and they start settling down, then they get their mates and football teams then, and hockey so... and that is a question. How old are your kids? What do you got? I got two boys. Oshin is 12 and Albie's just turned 11. And they both play hockey. They both play hockey, both play footballs. I think we're, we're down the rink Monday to Thursday. Football on a Thursday too. Uh, so, yeah, they're leading, leading pretty busy lives. 
Yeah. So, oh, yeah. It, it gets busy. I know. Um, but that's why you head out to your shed when the kids go to bed. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, one of my questions is where does you, where do you spend your off season? But cause I knew you were from Cardiff, but basically you're full time in Sheffield all the time. Yeah. We, my mum ended up moving up um, about three years ago. Uh, so we still go back and forth to Cardiff, you know, see friends and aunts and uncles and things like that and cousins. Uh, not as much as I, I would like. Uh, I was actually down there. I went down when they played Mannheim uh, the other day. I took the boys down because they were still on their school holidays. So I thought, well, I'll take them down. They can see the sights and um, met up with Phil Hill, uh, another one of my best friends, and took the kids paddle boarding down, down Barry, the beautiful sights of Barry. So, Barry Bados. And then, uh, Barry Bados, yeah. He's changed a lot since I was there. I didn't even know where I was going. Yeah, it's like the, the amusement park, like on a nice beach, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all it's all really nice down there. Yeah, it's a great spot to take the family, folks, if anybody's wondering. Um, and, um, okay, now the other question, we got some random questions. Actually, I guess we should keep going with where and what are you doing now? So you're in Sheffield, and you got a new season starting, eh? And you're, I said you're 39 years old, and you're still doing it. Yeah, yeah, we're just about to start. I think we start next Monday um we, we're we've just guys are just starting to come in now so we've got ice time this week in the mornings for the guys who are here um so yeah we're just but i just love doing it i i just it, it scares me to stop i love competing and i love kind of pushing my body to see what what you can do i totally understand i wasn't really into pushing my body in training camp it wasn't <laughs> wasn't really a thing i enjoyed but i enjoyed last wednesday when i tested myself and did an interview with batchy at 6 a.m and then that was with oh. coffee and then i drank then i had one with beers at night at nine o'clock and i tested myself to see how busy i could be in a day and yeah. uh, i thought it went fine you know nice, nice. <laughs> i got through it <laughs> yeah, i just yeah. test myself in different ways now you know that's it you gotta find your ways you gotta find what challenges you right (laughs) um no i think it's great you're still doing it i know i it's scary getting out of the game and i obviously most of us all wish we were still doing it and being in the locker room um i guess i found what the next best thing for me is doing this um but uh so i guess not all the imports would have flown in yet or any of that and like how is it all going to work with quarantines and all that bullshit yeah i think there's about three three or four imports just flown in and then i think the rest kind of drip feed over the next few days but i think as in canada they've just come off uh, it's just gone onto the green list i think so i don't think they have to quarantine they just need to do the uh is it the day two and day eight testing i think okay. i don't know I've, I've i've stopped paying attention to it all it, it drove me, me nuts Yep, me too. I have no clue. I don't even know why I brought it up. Um, Okay, so then let's start with some random questions. Um, Okay. And uh, one of them is, if you ever retire, are you thinking of being a foot or hand model? Do you have any idea who that would come from? It's probably going to be someone like Bounds. If I could use my right foot, then maybe if I could use so my right foot. So do you right have nice hands left. and feet or something, or what's this about? I've got a bad toe, one bad toe, and and now I get I get this label of I got two bad feet. 
What is it? A, uh, is it yeah, a big toe or a little toe? It's the big toe. It is like big. Really big. It is, well, it is it's grown a shoe size. I'm now an eleven in my left and a ten on the right. But you know, um, you know that you know, like the bower bumps on the back of your 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 heels from your skates. Yeah, like the spurs, like the guys the get like a, a golf ball that grows on the back of their foot, and then it, it's like bone, though, right? Like it, it turns That's into it. bone. Do you yeah, have that on so, your toe? On my toe, yeah. I've never yeah, seen I, that on your a toe. I need to. Uh, I I can't have any space in my skate. I have to be crammed in there. So I I wear. I'm a size ten shoe, but I wear. Do you think a maybe that's why skate. it's happening? Because you're oh, cramming it, in there. It's, it's definitely the reason why. Why don't you let your feet breathe, man? I've tried. I I just I just can't have it. I can't have any space. I need to. They need to be jam packed in there. You're willing to grow a gigantic toe to have tight skates. <laughs> I was all about comfort. Yeah. That's why I play with speed because I, I, when I skate, I'm just like ow 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 ow. <laughs> I uh, geez, I'm more like like I'm trying to sit the rocking chair out there. You know. <laughs> oh that yeah. is um wow okay i didn't know you could get those on your toes and uh, it sounds kind of self-inflicted but um maybe yeah. bigger skates <laughs> but i guess you got one you know. skate bigger than the other that's that's a neat stat okay here is the next random question before we get into your career when going out to collect your medals should players wear skates or go out with their a-game boots on <laughs> i was pushed what, what's that story? Can we get a background of that? We were, it was the Continental Cup and we just made it through to the super final. In France, perhaps? And in Grenoble, yeah. And uh, it was it was a, a trip from hell. Like, I, I think I made a fool of myself like twice already. Um, I think the first one is a bit of a long story, but... The first one was we were playing Grenoble. We were, I think we were winning three two or something. They pulled the goalie. I the puck goes to the point. I blow the D man up. I, I get a breakaway, block the shot, get a breakaway, blow him up. On this breakaway, you know when you, you just say, ah, "I'm just going to slide this in." I went to slide it in, and you, the puck starts veering off to the right, goes in the corner. We get the, we get the rebound. It goes in, but when we get back to the hotel. It was up on the it was on the the news and in French you just hear oh Philippe's catastrophe and it, it was that place I'm like oh yeah great and then it, at the end of the tournament uh, we we got the bronze or something and our coach Matt Sossi he was like right we got to come back for a cere ceremonial face off have a beer do not get drunk I was like okay <laughs> we came back absolutely steaming drunk and we were ready to go out. Salzburg had just played Minsk, I think. And, so basically, uh, you're saying you guys had already played. You guys realize you've won. You're moving on, but there's still another game to be played. There was still another game to be played. So, and at the end of that game, it was the the ceremony. And they announced who wins. And so you guys have already won, and you're getting after it. We no, we hadn't even won. We were like this was the super final, so it was. Well, we were no, oh, yeah, to get to and, it, I get no, I know, but you yeah. won that round. You're going the next yeah. round, right? That's it. So we were, I mean, we were hammered and uh, we, we go to like let one of the young guys go on the ice first. The building at Grenoble's full, game's just over. We try getting one of the young guys to go through the penalty box first and then we were going to leave him out there on his own. But the woman caught on to it. And as so I was like, okay, okay. So I went to go on and as I step on the ice, 
I kind of stopped and looked behind and she like shoves me in the back. So I step on the ice, but she's like dumped all the water out from the, the water bottles from the penalty box. So it's slippery. So, slippery. so I go flying and my A game is drenched and the boys were just howling. I was just stood there like, oh my God. But they recognized you had nice shoes on. I had my nice shoes on. Yeah, my point navigating lieutenant, Bayfield Burn Company. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that is hilarious, though. I would have loved to see that. I was definitely pushed. Um, Wow, you're saying, yeah, that's almost like uh, what's, (laughs) yeah, she she assaulted you. (laughs) (laughs) She did assault me. Oh, geez. Okay, well. How did the uh, super final go then? You obviously didn't win because it wasn't on your notes. What happened? Yeah, there? no. Yeah, but that was it. We we I think Salzburg ended up winning it, um, and we got the we got the bronze or something. I don't know. Okay. Um. Anyways, here we go. Let's get into your career now. I don't only have a couple more random questions as we go here. <laughs> you know, a lot of the same people I do. For us, never of really talking to each other. That's it. <laughs> um. Okay, what was Cardiff minor hockey like in the late 80s and 90s? And what's it like growing up with these? <laughs> <laughs> All these. It was good, actually. It, it was, we were, we were lucky because back then, I think the league, the Devils had have like um, three or four imports per team. But there was always, there was always a pro who would come down and run practice. So for us, we were really lucky that, that we had a professional on the ice all the time and um, who would kind of take us through our training. And, and then we had this, you know, a, a guy called Peter Smith, who was kind of a big influence on, on all of us Cardiff boys who kind of grew up around then, uh, put a lot of work in, in with us, but we had a great time. It was, it was such a good place to be and such good people down there. And, um, I think Dee pretty much lived at the rink. He was either public skating or playing and still does getting up to mischief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, so what rink was it? It was before the BBT? Were you in where John Lewis is now? That's it, yeah. Yeah, so we were in where John Lewis was and, like, what a location that was. It was, you know, right downtown and it was it was perfect. Uh, yeah, no, that would be a perfect spot. Um, but anyways, the new one's nice. The bay's nice. But, um, okay, here's the next random question. <laughs> uh, before we transition into pro, um like to know about a bench clearing brawl in junior against peterborough this is probably from dc yeah i i actually didn't play that game but i i went up i i i think i hurt my groin or something but i was on the bench and it all kind of kicked off and i think we've got i think we've got video of this somewhere but it it all kicked off is i'm trying to think we'd have been 15 16 and uh one of the vivid memories I've got is Deese literally laid on top of someone with his <laughs> knees, his knees on this guy's arms <laughs> held back like this, just pounding this guy on the ice. <laughs> I was he, just on the he, bench dictating who, who should go to who. And that's what he said. He said you were injured and you had to stay on the bench and you were organizing who should go fight who and how to fight them and what to do. Yeah. And you were like the director of the fight. I was. I was like, so-and-so's getting beat. Go, go get it. <laughs> oh, man. that's You need a guy to do that, but it also would have hurt to not be involved in it eh, and be helping your brothers out. That's it. 
Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I get it, but that's why you got to help any way you can. That's how I got into pregame speaking because I couldn't play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but D said that um, you were the captain. The team went undefeated, and you guys were the tits. Yeah, we were good. We had a good team, and and as I said, like the I think the coaching that we got back then, it, it was just I, I don't think all the other clubs got that. So. I mean, anyone can teach, you know, basic hockey drills. You can search it on YouTube or whatever. But, I, you know, it's just them little pointers that you need, isn't it? And uh, professionals and, you know, a long way. Yeah. massively. So, uh, I, yeah, I think I think our team was just lucky that, that we kind of had that. Well, we had good people and, and, and good people kind of helping us. Okay. So then uh, what's it like transitioning into pro and finding a home because i got it written down here you played for the basingstoke bison you played for cardiff in the super league a little bit and the milton Keen kings yeah so i think i was 15 i started i'd left school i started training with the devils full-time um i got like a part-time job in the afternoons and then the year after they they signed me um so I mean, that was unbelievable. That was, you know, I've been watching them for so many years, and you kind of a little bit starstruck almost because you you know you watched them since this high. Um, and it was the Super League. Obviously, everyone knows the story how, how that kind of went. There was just too much. I actually, I actually don't, and I, it's never been spoke about on here. Someone was telling me that there were hardly any imports, and there it was like AHL and a former NHLers that were making like big money. Is that right? It was huge money, and especially, I mean, you're talking back in the, you know, I think it started in 96, and it was, you know, bigger than money. I think it was more money than what was around now being paid out. And, and I that's think, when money I think was year, worth more. That's it. And I, I, I think the year Cardiff won it, won the Super League, I'm, 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 sure, their, I'm sure their budget was like a million pounds in wages. It was, it was, it was crazy. They're not recruiting um, me that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. So I, we after the Super League kind of went. I um, I ended up going to. I think I just I, I went on a two way with Basingstoke from like Christmas onwards. Uh, so I play on the weekends with them, and then if 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 the Devils played midweek, I play with them. Uh, so that was that was good because the BNL back then in our league was. I think eight imports. You have to have eight imports and eight British guys, which was a kind of perfect mix. Yeah, because then you get um, they, then some British guys can get some power play time and some penalty kill time and get out there and get developing, right? Because the Super League you're talking about sounds like like how would you as a young Brit get any opportunity, right? Exactly, and there was none. I, you know, given I was only seventeen at the time, I think you'd you'd play if you were. Kind of well, you play if the game meant nothing, but it, it was it was full of AHL, NHL tough guys to power forwards and things like that with a bit of skill. So if, if the game was going tough to play against, yeah, and if a game was going wrong, then you know they didn't put you on because you'd get killed. From, <laughs> yeah, right. So, right. Know, no, I is. when I was an adult and I was playing against those guys, I felt like I was going to get killed, and I was like twenty three yeah. or four. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, no, I wouldn't want so, to play against them at 17. Um, but yeah, no, it makes sense that, so that league, I guess they were spending too much money. They Then that happens, it folds, and then it 
it's the EIHL then, right? That's it. And then uh, I think back then there was some problems with the owner and and whatnot, and then um, everyone kind of left. And so I went to Milton Keynes uh, for a year. It was a bottom place team. Um, there, again, there was eight imports, eight Brits, and uh, a chance to play kind of power play PK, get a load of time. And so went there and really enjoyed it and then went back when the elite league was, was formed then back to Cardiff. Right. And then you get to move home. Um, and, uh, it, it looks like you played three years there and that's like the, I can't guess one of the original eras you'd call it. Cause I always see who the fans in Cardiff like, you know, through social media and whatever they put out there from the past. But I guess three of the guys I've heard of quite a bit is Sacratini, Thornton, and Matulik, right? Yeah. Those yeah. guys are like legendary. Yeah, no, they, so you played with them? Yeah, I played with them. So, they, I mean, they were there in the Super League days. And then um, Sacratini and Matulik came back for a few years in the Elite League. Um, great people, uh, unbelievable professionals and, and, you know, really kind of, uh, took their time to help, help us out as young guys, really. Yeah. And you need that, right. Especially if you're not getting much game time, you need those pros that are willing to help kids out. Right. No, massively. And, and I mean, you know, it's like at that age, you know, your confidence can be shot pretty quick. So, you know, you just need someone there just to, so it's all, almost bring you back into line of like, hey, you know, you're 17, you'll, you'll get your chance. Just, you know, settle down, keep working hard. Well, it's kind and of, that's all you need. this is, sounds ridiculous, but it, like my son's tryouts are coming up and we're in a small town. So it's two ages together, right? So he's going to try out as a December birthday against kids also a year older. So they're going to be a lot bigger than him. He's a little bugger anyways. And if he makes that team, um, then he probably will be, you know, near the bottom half of the team just based on size. But if he doesn't, then he'll probably be the guy on his team and he'll get more confidence and may, I don't know. I don't even know what's best for him. Right. Because do you want him to, but then he, you know, he's like eight turning nine. It's like, does it really matter? But it's like, do you want him to be the guy or do you want him to be the bottom half? And it's kind of strange because I don't even know what's best. That's it. That's it. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why I went to Milton Keynes really was, was, you know, seeing that you've been in a situation where you're kind of nobody and you, 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 you learn your trade and whatever. And now you get a chance to not be the guy, but you get a chance to play a whole lot more and, and be an important, you know, cog in that wheel. Um, and I think that's important. I think a lot of kids need to realize that they need to, do that more now you know go to go somewhere where you're going to play you can't just turn up you know in this league for instance can't just turn up to a Cardiff or a Sheffield Belfast Nottingham and expect to play top minutes unless you're like Liam Kirk right <laughs> unless, unless you're Liam Kirk and you leave the world championships <laughs> yeah no but you're right that's absolutely right because it like I, I can't imagine I like talking to Batchy the other day he had gone from U.S. Junior B, which must be pretty brutal. He went from that straight to the EIHL. And like for me, I'm 10 years pro coming to the EIHL and he's coming from U.S. Junior B, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know it's crazy. 
Yeah, but the you know the way those guys do improve um, playing with better players is is crazy, right? Like that batch he fits in by that first year, it shows the potential if you get around better players, right? Massively, I, I know Davy Phillips always said when he came back from um, playing in Rockford in the A, he was he, he noticed the difference in his game playing in Rockford or training in Rockford than when he was sent down to the coast. He said you, you would. You raise your game, you you raise your levels to whatever you're doing. Yeah, the people you're you are around kind of push you, right? Okay, um, mm-hmm. where are we? We had the brawl, we did that. Now you're in Cardiff, so I want to know the decision to like you're you became a leader. You're an assistant captain already as a young buck. I think it's oh five oh six. You're an assistant captain in professional hockey, so you're obviously a leader at a young age, but. Um, What's it like deciding to leave your hometown? Like you're you're a pro hockey player for the team you dreamed of playing for. You grow up watching them, and then you become one of the captains of the team, and then you leave. Yeah, it was it, it was a tough decision. It, it took a long time to kind of decide, but it was at the time we had a coach, Dave Whistle, and he'd he'd gone on to um, he'd gone to Sheffield, and. We kind of, I mean, we used to drink beers together when he was the coach. He was, he'd be leading us on the nights out and things. And um, so we had a good relationship. And so we were talking throughout the year and he just kind of said about coming up to Sheffield and I kind of brushed it off at first. But then the more I thought about it, I wanted to, wanted to get out before I kind of hit that comfort zone, you know, with, with being at home and everything was easy. I'd never, I'd never moved out really other than the year in Milton Keynes. Um, I just wanted to kind of push myself and 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 step outside that comfort zone and and I, I thought you know if I if I want to play for a long time and and get better then that was the move that needed to be done so I I decided to decided to leave and they would I think that was the last year in the the old old rink in, okay uh, so in you never John Lewis is there. yeah you yeah, never so played no, in the big blue the tent, tent as a devil um, I didn't I didn't. No, um, I was always curious about that one because, like, when I come over to the UK and I see, like, you know, like Ben Davies is now back in Cardiff, but he left for a while. Bouncy's from Sheffield and he's playing in Cardiff. You're from Cardiff playing in Sheffield. I'm like, man, these guys just, it's bizarre. But I, like, I understand becoming a man, you want to kind of move away and spread your wings and, like, and do something different and challenge yourself, right? That's it. And it's, it's them life experiences, isn't it? And, and you know, you want to, Want to enjoy it as much as you can, and it was, yeah. It, I suppose it was just I wanted to leave before I I fell into that kind of trap. Yeah, I was actually well, offered more money to to stay in in Cardiff, and I remember there was an article that came out as soon as I'd left, and it's, I think the headline said, uh, "What was it? Phillips leaves for love," and it was saying that I'd met a girl in Sheffield, and so I and I was like. She's from Cardiff. She's from Caerphilly. So it was, God knows where they got that from, but yeah. And I didn't go for the money because it was, I was offered, I was offered way more to stay. You got, so at that age in your life, you get offered more money to stay in your hometown and you leave for less money. <laughs> and you're, so you're I, with, you're with your wife now. And so obviously she has to make the move too. So she was obviously on board with moving out of the Cardiff area. 
Yeah, yeah, she was on board. And I mean, with the money thing, like I, I always knew that in this country, you're not making a load of money. It's, 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 you're not retiring on it. You know, every summer you're still working. As soon as you retire, then you're going, you, you know, you need to step into another job. So I always had the view of, since a, a young age then, of, you know, what difference does it make if, if you're making an extra £50 here or there? It, it's, it means nothing. I want to I wanna just push myself as far as I can go and, you know, enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's, and everybody has those big decisions to make because those decisions of where you sign for a hockey season, um, you don't really think of it as a hockey player as you're doing it, but as you start unfolding these podcasts every week, the decisions guys make where they sign drastically impacts where their life goes. And uh, obviously for you, that decision, that, that summer of 05, I think it was, or 05 I think right but like when you make that decision like that changes the course of your life because now you said your mom's moved up to Sheffield your kids have been raised there like changes everything massively yeah massively and you know we've got a nice house up here now so we you know who knows what we'd probably still be in uh, in Ely I'm not sure if you ever drove down to Ely when you were in Cardiff no I'm not sure where that is I didn't know all the areas' names, though. I just knew where how to get around. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so then you get to Sheffield, and um, you kind of, like, you know, when you, for me, I always had to feel my way onto a new team. I couldn't really be Wally first day. You know, I had to wait, like, a little bit and then show them I could play and then, like, you know, I'm not just a goof and joking around, like, (laughs) you know, you got to ease your way into a team. So what was it like for you? Because basically you go there and then the first year you're already an assistant captain. And then by year two, you're already the captain. Yeah, no, it was, we were kind of lucky. It was Sheffield were kind of, I suppose they were rebuilding. Um, There was a, I think there was three of us who actually came up from, from Cardiff. It was me, Phil Hill and, and Regan Darby. Um, and then, you know, then the other guys, you, I mean, we played against them for a few years. So you kind of, you kind of know each other for, to chirp and whatever. So, and you know what the hockey world is like, you just, as soon as you step into that place, you, it's, you're, everyone's fine and just they could like be known each other years. Just like having a podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, no, it was all right. It was, it was, it was a fun time. But I think. I think probably the easiest thing is we were all around that same age. So it was, it was just, I think the first question was like, right, when are we going out? Let's go. Yeah. And it, it does mean a lot when you pick a team and where you're going, like at least in Germany too, like when there's only four to five imports, being on a team where guys are at the same kind of life, uh, whatever, what am I trying to say? Step in life. Like, do they have kids? Are they young? Do they want to go out? Or are they going to be home with their children? Or are they older? And, you know, they're going to show up at the rink an hour and a half before practice to get away. And, you know, everybody's at a different stage. And like, when you get on a team, when you have a few boys that are like right in your wheelhouse, it it can change your season, right? No, massively. And, you know, we were lucky that, you know, Jason Hewitt and Mark Thomas, you know, some of my closest friends and best friends. And we, you know, we seem to all get married together and have kids together. Our kids are all the same age. So, yeah, we've had a great ride. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, and you guys were all on that team together for quite some time. I had written down contract negotiations because I wanted to know how long your longest deal was, but you already answered that with one year deals. That's craziness when you're like yeah. Mr. Sheffield, but, um, what's it like then? Like, who do you negotiate with the coach? Uh, yeah, he was always the coach. I th- I'm trying to think maybe back then it was Mike, Mike O'Connor was the, uh, was the GM. Um, so I think the first years it was Michael Connor, and then, I mean, we've gone through so many coaches in Sheffield. I think that was one I'm of my sure. questions. How many coaches have you gone through? I think it's about nine. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm like, sure there's nine. And that's like, I I think it says a lot about you because. For me, there were coaches that loved me. There were coaches that didn't. You know, it's like my song. I'm not for everyone. But, like, when, you know, you need coaches to want you and that you've been wanted by the new coach nine times. Like, that says a lot about you and what people say about you. And that's, like, when I ask people some questions for today it's like yeah he's the best guy ever, you know. And then the coach comes in and hears that. He's like, yeah, okay, I got to sign him. Yeah, yeah. I, to, to be honest, I think I think that's what's probably kept me playing. If I if I really think about it this long and being able to play, because as I said about being in Cardiff in that comfort zone, I suppose the same kind of thing should have happened up here in Sheffield, being here this long. But when you play for nine nine coaches in fifteen seasons, then it's pretty much like going to to a new team. Anyway, you've got to. You know, you're constantly having to, to prove yourself. I mean, and you should always do that anyway, but but you're right. Uh, when a new coach comes in, you have to you have to find your role with that coach, right? Every coach is gonna exactly. put you in a different spot based on what they see, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, it would be a kind of a grind. I actually like in Beatingheim, I had proven myself to I think two coaches, and then the third one came in and he was he was being difficult and I just didn't have it in me to try and prove it to another guy. And I was like, I am who I yeah. am, man. Like if you don't like yeah. it. <laughs> one difficult one. It, it, it was, I mean, you know, nice, nice guy. I think if anything, he was maybe just a little bit ahead of his time. He had, he was very kind of X's and O's and it, it was, but I think for the league then it was just a bit too much. Um, but, you know, a fantastic coach. Who's that? Uh, Doug Christensen. Okay. But, you know, great coach. I think he's coaching in, in the coast now. And, you know, he'll he'll go far. He'll do well. He was, you know, very high kind of hockey IQ. And, um, yeah, it just, it just didn't seem to fit for one reason or another. Yeah, no, it's interesting. The more coaches you meet and how you – you used to care so much what they all thought of you. And then when, when you get older and you kind of see that some of them were good dudes and some of them just were into their X's and O's and just really weren't that good of a, like the way some coaches treated players that I saw, not just to myself, but there were some real douchebags out there back in the day. Yeah. Oh yeah. All those old school ones, man, they were scary. We had, uh, we had Chris McSorley. I was telling the kids this the other day, cause a, a, a game came up on, um, on, on free sports or something it was the swiss a league and chris mcsorley was coaching i was like oh he used to coach the national team he was the scariest man i've ever been in a room with it, it, it was he was frightening 
he would he would he could make anyone cry. He was he was that scary and intimidating. And this was the head coach. That, was that scary? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, uh, Marty McSorley's brother. But he was uh, just the Thresher, a scary, Belgian whippers. Um, Andrew Lord could make me cry by just looking at me sometimes <laughs> with his. Uh, like he would just look so hurt by what I had done on the ice that it would almost make me feel so sad. I'd want to cry. <laughs> oh, Loda. Loda would only shake hands properly. If, if you guys won, if, if, if yeah. you didn't win, then he'd, he'd give the, the look away and, and you'd be like, just, just, just look me in the eye. Like just yeah, I know. shake hands, man. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, we all worked as hard as we could. <laughs> Shake hands. I understand. <laughs> no, but he was as intense as they got. And some people can handle it after and shake hands. And some people, I guess, can't. I didn't know that. But, you know, everybody has different experiences, right? Like, I would have gone through the handshake line and shook everybody's hand and been like, yeah, good game. And that you don't even realize yeah. what else goes on sometimes, right? And that's until you have a podcast and people start telling you this stuff you don't know. Well, I think that it changes slightly, but the, I think that respect between that the Sheffield and Cardiff, because uh, I mean it, it is a big rivalry now. You know, it, it is 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 a battle of the kind of you know the trophies, and um, I think the respect has always kind of be there after the game. The games are always pretty nasty, but then after the game, like everyone kind of spoke like, "Oh, you know, great series, great, you know, good job, well done, unlucky." Well, that's the hockey world. That's the way we're wired for the most part, or at least the guys I have on here, right? Yeah. Wow, this thing doesn't sound good. Sound good. Can you hear the background noise there? Headsets have that. I can hear a background noise. Anyways, moving on then. I got a question for you. This is another random question. What is the Gord Baldwin locker room story? Gord Baldwin locker room story. Do you know? The only thing it could be. Is this from Simsy? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Okay, so Simsy used to come down. If, we, if we'd win, he'd come down in the room, he'd pop his head through and he'd, he'd just say, you know, top job boys and whatever and he, so he come down and it was a begin, beginning of the year. Baldy didn't know who this guy was. And uh, Simsy comes in and pops his head in and says that. I think Baldy just kind of looked around and, and just went, you know, gave the old security kind of comment. The Sim, for, for some reason, Simsy took a real kind of like, but I could see his head just like tilt ever so slightly and, and like catch eyes. That it was Baldy. Baldy looked away like he, he didn't give it a second thought. But I could see in Simsy's eyes, and I, I can't remember who I turned to, and I just went, "Oh, Baldy is fucked. He is he is gonna get it for the rest of the year." And he did. Like Simsy, any chance he had to call Baldy out, he would call him out. And I'd be like, "Simsy, why?" He was like, "Why?" Well, he said that. It like, "I'm I'm okay to come in the room." And I'm like, "Settle down." Oh man, and that guy didn't even know who he was. No, no, he just he thought he was just some random guy coming in, you know. But it was, I think, it was Mark Thomas's testimonial, and they did like a they did like a roast of Mark Thomas. 
and and Simsy got up and and he, he used his like fifteen minute slot just to roast Gord Baldwin instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez, that's yeah. Well, sometimes you you know you, somebody says something that pisses you off, right? <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, okay, and then. Uh, I, I guess you won four league championships and four playoff championships. Anything uh, sticking out is like the best, well, the one that sticks out the most. Did you come back from something or like the best party after? Oh God. It's been a lot of, a lot of parties just normally on a Monday night, but. Um, Mandatory Mondays or Monday fun day? We used to have a mandatory Mondays. I had Monday fun day. We did have a th- we had a thirsty Thursdays actually in Cardiff. Oh yeah, uh, that's that's testing yourself it? if you got a game on Friday. <laughs> yeah, Voffer and uh, Brad Voff and and Jared Adams lived in the in the brewery quarter just above the Nando's. Yeah. So we so we like why they put them there I don't know. So like Thursdays we'd go out for thirsty Thursdays and we'd end up back in there till like five six in the morning. And then we'd be on the ice for practice at ten. It was mental. No, the old old school hockey uh, back in the day in like minor pro, like I guess the UK league, Europe, like man, guys used to really push themselves, didn't they? (laughs) They did. But the good thing was the coach is with us. The coach is out with us too. Yeah, you don't have to feel bad if he's there as long as you, right? (laughs) But you better show up to play, right? And that was the thing. And I think that was one rule that we always had was like, and even like, don't come on the ice acting hungover or, you know, just once you step in the rink, like it's, it's time it's to work. And, time, like yeah. have some respect kind of thing. So, which everyone did. It was. That's, I miss those days. Um, what's it like now? You're still playing. What's it like now? What's it like in the UK league now? Do people still have fun or are you guys like just cold tubs, protein shakes, I guess you were probably doing that the whole time. That's how you played all your 39. No, I've, I've only just got into the, the proteins and stuff. I ain't doing a cold tub, but I, I don't like cold water. That's, that's bananas. Horrible. Horrible. Your nuts go right up into your stomach, and you're like, what am I doing here? Like, why are we doing this? This isn't making me happier. No, like put some Radox in there and a uh, nice little rubber duck in. I'll jump in, but some warm water. But I ain't getting in. I don't like it. It's way yeah. too cold. Okay. I respect that. Thank it you. Is, no, it is, I think it's the professionalism is obviously, I think that's just sport in general now, though, isn't it? In the way of the world, it's obviously grown. Um, but yeah, I can't even do the nights out anymore. I can't wake up after a few beers. So I just, especially with the kids and having to do all their stuff, there's no way, there's no afternoon naps to get over anything anymore, is there? No, there's no afternoon naps. Um, I miss that. Yeah, I guess you're still in physical exercise. I don't really get tired from that anymore. So... I'm surprised you like you're going into a training camp again, man. I can't imagine. I can hardly put my shoes on. Yeah, I, I like it though. I, I like I like working out in the summer, and and that's that's when I know I'm done and ready to retire. Is is when that kind of May June comes around, and I'm like, I ain't going to the gym today. Yeah, and the drive's and gone. I that, but, uh, yeah, and you know that's what the one thing I always said to Sheffield was, you know, you'll know I'm. 
if I'm done but in the summer because I'll I'll tell you I'm not going to the gym. I'm done. No, it's I think it's incredible that you're still doing it. I I mean most of us wish we still could be right and uh uh, yeah, like the friendships you make, the people you meet, like you're going to have a whole bunch of new guys showing up that you've never met before. And by a month from now, you guys will be best mates, right? That's it. No, definitely. And you meet so many different different types of personalities too, don't you? And, and, and I think it really sets you up for the outside world where, you know, you, you think of how many different personalities on a yearly basis that you meet and it teaches you how to get along with that personality exactly what it did for me like to understand other cultures to understand people come from different backgrounds they were all raised differently than you like you don't know where they came from and um yeah like i uh it definitely got me ready for the real world because like now i can for my real job i can talk to people i guess all over the world via zoom kind of like what i do at a yeah. podcast i just don't talk about hockey i talk about something different but um and it does it, it and then for you you've been a captain for this long um i know in the real world maybe sometimes people don't realize how hard athletes can work and like for yourself how hard you test your body um and want to be driven and be the best you can in the real world that translate whatever you do next you're going to be great at it you're going to be a leader you're going to be running the team in no time um because that's who you are that's what you've been as a hockey player and uh but if i had to guess are you going to get into coaching no i don't think so really i don't think so yeah yeah no i, I it's never really never really took my fancy and i think i would help out i think but yeah i think it'd just be nice to kind of concentrate on the kids and and, and watch them because i think as a coach there's less security than as a player at least you can kind of do something to as a player to get yourself out of a funk but with a coach you're relying on every, every, everybody else and everything falling together right oh yeah so, being the head I, coach isn't uh like the, yeah, the people that sign up to be a head coach for um, their career and like, especially with children and everything, like, yeah, there's no job security there. Like, you don't know. And then it, a lot of it will depend on the budget they provide you with, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, and, uh, to be honest, I'm not, I don't think I'd be great at it. I really don't. It, 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 I don't think. I always my... thought the captains and leaders would be the best ones, but. It's also reading yeah. people and being able to get along with everybody, understanding the different personalities, right? Like that's yeah. what I like about coaching my kids team is like every kid's different, right? You can talk to them differently and see yeah. how they react and get to know that's them, it. right? I, I think I could do that. I enjoy going on with, with my boys and, you know, when I can just to kind of give, give all their teammates. And, and as I said before, it's just them little pointers, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the little tips and, well, it's yeah, like uh, stick on puck or like, yeah, there's so much, there's so many little things that like, if kids are skating around with their stick up in the air all the time, you know, like yeah. if nobody tells them to put it down, it becomes a habit, right? That's it. But I mean, I'm sure you heard of the British backhand, but the, they were on yesterday on practice, uh, the kids and not, I don't think one of them put their, put their stick out to receive a puck on their backhand. And I just thought that's why... That's why none of us can receive a backhand pass. Yeah, nobody's telling you, like, have to no. stick up the ice and you 
take it on that side. Yeah. No, you need, and I find it interesting that like the kids that grow up seeing the EIHL, like yourself, like you guys become good enough to play in that league. You're driven to make that league, right? That's what your goal is. That's what you're trying to get to. And I think having Liam Kirk around may help kids strive for something different, right? Because if the kids don't see someone else do it, it's hard to picture it and really drive to do that, right? Massively. And I had this conversation about two hours ago, actually. There was someone called, they were doing a story on Kirky uh, from Arizona, and they were they were kind of asking what Liam, has, what that has done for British hockey. And that was the answer I gave was before the people were striving for the, Elitely, but now you you know coaches can actually tell kids now like this is possible. Look what Kirky's just done. You can see it. Like strive yeah. for that. Aim, aim, aim for the top. Exactly. No, I agree. Um, okay. Other than that, I wanted to know. We talked about the Cardiff rivalry, but uh, what are your favorite rivalries in the league? With is there any players? that you really, you and the guy just, just haven't seen eye to eye or um, yeah, I'm thinking personal right now. Is there any players that like have really pissed you off over the years? I think Lodo. I could see Turn that. Against Lord. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, total, total respect for him. I, I think what he, what he did in Cardiff and, and 100% respect for him. But I just, yeah, I just, yeah, he, he, he pissed me off. I think. Well, we ended up fighting once, and he's uh, he's got to be sixty pounds heavier than me. Just, how'd you, you, know, how'd you just, do? Not too bad. It didn't last very long. It, it was a couple of swings. I think it was. We ended up. We were talking by the by the the refs bench there in the big blue tent, and uh, I don't know. He was. He was. You know, with that belittling feeling, and, and I and that's that's the one. That's my biggest pet hate. And I just thought he was like shoving me in front of the crowds going nuts. And I'm thinking, Don't, I'm going to snap. Yeah. So I just thought, oh, I'll just, I just went for him and got a couple in. He got a couple in and we, and we went down. But yeah, no, I, I could see him like definitely being very irritating and all of that because I hardly played any shifts with him. But then like you'd be in the corner battling and he would be talking and yelling the whole time and like just going a million miles an hour. And I'm like, just, just slow down, man. Like, how am I going to pull it out of this pile? If you're trying to talk to me, like, shut up. <laughs> I'm waiting for this to happen so I can pull it out and take it to the net. Would you stop talking? Like, and he's just going a million miles an hour. Then we get to the bench. He's like, why didn't I do it? And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't do it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Just slow down. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, That's good. Good answer. That was a good one. I like that. So uh, what about out of the nine coaches? Were there any that you wish you had longer? Oh, God. I think, I think Ben Simon was unbelievable. When he, he when just, he came you in. know what, he, just a fun fact, because this is all UK listeners and um, 
when I have guys on from North America that didn't play in the UK, sometimes people don't listen as much, but Chase Pearson, who just came on, is playing for Ben Simon in the AHL. He's going to play in the NHL this season, folks, so you could get to know him before he plays for the Red Wings. And he's playing for Ben Simon in the AHL, and he said he's he's a good coach there now. Yeah, he was – I think he was the first – because I'm trying to think how old we'd have been when he came in, probably 20 – 28 so i suppose quite old really um but he was the first that's where things started to change for like the nights out and the mandatory mondays it started to like rain in a bit but sorry a little more professional because he was right he was an ahl grinder for years and he was a pro i played with him he was my teammate yeah and and just like he could have come over and 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 just kind of you know did whatever but he was he led by example every single day and and like I think the shit show he walked into in Sheffield at that time was was hard enough without playing, you know. And 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 I remember the first shift he went on and and, and absolutely one of the biggest hits I've seen. And we were all like, "Oh, okay, this guy's here." And he, he wasn't the biggest guy, was he? No. Then. And um, but yeah, one of the biggest competitors, right? Massively, and I think he was the first person to really teach you what like what it meant to be a professional yeah and and got us on on that ladder um yeah for me my way of knowing him was i was went to the ahl as a rookie and he was one of the vets on the team and uh good guy and like you just you see those guys in your hockey career that are just deep down they're a competitor they are as competitive as they get lordo was the same way and yeah like he was you know, he could be a little extreme at some points, right, of the competitive side. And then Benny was the same. He was just as competitive deep down in his soul, right? Like mm-hmm. he was going to scrap for everything. And I could see him being definitely. a good coach. Yeah, no, definitely. And, he, you know, when we, I had spoken to him for, since the day he left, and then I think when we um, – I think when we stayed up in Pool A, like an email came through and, and like congratulating us, and I just thought that was nice. You know, so many years later, it was it was uh, it was nice to see. Yeah, no, you guys making it, which is kind of where we got to get into now, um, is uh, you guys get making it to Pool A. My me personally, like I know most of you guys, like that's why it's weird. I know people in Canada aren't going to get this. But when the world championships are on and you guys are in pool A, I'm not cheering for Canada. I'm cheering for you guys. Like, honestly, like when you guys are playing them, I thought, think it would be the best thing ever if you guys could win yeah. that game. Um, and like, I, I am cheering for you guys and what you guys have done. I really think they should make a movie about if they can make one about Miracle on Ice, they can make one about you lads. We, we always said, because it was, we, we nearly made it by some chance years ago it, it, I, and uh, it was before the format and it changed. So I think Kazakhstan had to be, or Ukraine had to be Kazakhstan in regulation time. And they ended up, I think they, they ended up tie, tying the game with like six minutes left. So it, it was, it meant we were, I think we won silver or something like that. And we didn't, and then, you know, we were so far away for so many years um, but we always said, like, when we make pool A, there's going to be a cool run-ins too, and like, it's going to be the boys. But uh, it was it, it was unbelievable, and, and still now it gives you gives you goosebumps just thinking like. 
Well, about, you were on the ice when that goal was scored too, eh? Like that's uh, that poster I made you. Um, or Lee in Cardiff, uh, Freeman Designs yeah. makes the posters for every episode. So shout out to him because I made him work pretty hard this year. We're on like yeah. he's made yeah. seventy three posters now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that picture of you going up to Benny Davies after he scores that goal and being on the ice for that moment for your your country or for Great Britain, like what a time that what a memory, eh? Oh, it was just unreal. I mean, that game was like such a roller coaster of a game anyway, like the three nil down and then we get it back to three three and it was um the the, the shifts just before that goal. Um, like we turn it over from from the face off twice in a row, and there's like grade A's like Bouncy, like somehow stops the puck, like two grade A chances. We thought the game was over, so me and Benny went on, and I just said, you know, just push it forward, just let you know, let me get in. It was like the minor team. hockey play, like push it forward on the face off. Yeah. <laughs> In your yeah. own end, in your own That's end, it. yeah. Me and uh, me and Westerling always used to do it in Sheffield. If if uh, you know when on on the kill, if if I noticed the D man was a little too far over to the boards and not in the middle, I'd say you know just send me on a race. Yeah, no, I I I saw it happen and I watched it on TSN and I was I really was so proud of you guys. It's uh, quite the accomplishment. And uh, who do you think um, would get a tramp stamp to play bouncy? <laughs> If there was a movie. Oh, God. Are there any Brits that could be play the part? Like, somebody's going to have to talk like him, too, right? How are you going to make a movie and talk like Bouncy and have a tramp stamp? I don't know. It's going to have to be someone off, like, a, off a soap or something, like off any standards for Bouncy. And I don't know. You guys, it might be, like, a, a big movie. It might be Disney, right? We might get some kind of big name. Yeah. I, that, that's a tough one for someone to play Bouncy. You might have to just get him because I don't think there's anyone else like him. <laughs> you might have to. You might have to cameo. Uh, I uh, no, and but like for me, it's been so much fun to watch you guys because, like, for my story is like when I play for Cardiff and then I stay late um, to finish my MBA when I'm writing my thesis. I'm actually, you know, me now, folks. I'm in uh, Eli Jenkins in Cardiff Bay, and I'm having a couple pops while I write my 9,000 word paper, whatever it is. And I asked them to put the game on TV and I watch you guys play in the world championships. I'm watching my friends play in the world championships. And I'm like, this is really cool. Right. And you guys were playing in division one B and you're playing against like Korea and all these other teams. I'm like, Oh, it's still cool. You're playing for your country, but then you guys lose and then you lose again and you finish second both years. And I'm like, ah, and then I move home and then you win gold two years in a row. And now you're playing Canada, the U S Russia, like it's wild. eh? It was mental. And our, our dressing room was next door to Canada's in Slovakia. So when we, like they were, they were unbelievable with us and kind of just seemed to get on with them really well. And after, I think they were playing just after us. So they were there watching that France game. Um, and then when we were coming down the corridor, they, the whole team had come out just to kind of greet us and, and like they were all hugging us and things like that. And uh, I was the last to come down and that Kyle Tourist came out and, and he just said, oh, you know, well done. And uh, this old Tourist, mid-20s or something like that, is he? Or late 20s? Who? But I, I, 
Kyle Turris. Oh yeah, Kyle Turris. Yeah, okay. Bro, I, I just, I just like hugged him. I was like, "Thanks, person who's twelve years younger than me." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I could see you guys getting on because when I was thinking about it and like starting this podcast, and so many people in the UK listening is like, I did really fit in when I went to Cardiff. Like, I, I fit in. I would. I everybody in that arena was my buddy <laughs> and uh it was like that now it seems all over the uk that just we mesh you know like um and that's why folks if you're still listening to this episode i still don't have a uk sponsor so if anybody wants to actually pay me money to do this that would be swell because i've been putting in a lot of hours in the shed and it'd be cool to be reimbursed <laughs> and there's a Fun fact, folks, 500 to 1,000 people are going to listen to this within the next week or so. So if you want your company to sponsor this and everybody to know about it, just let us know. Like the Bayfield Brewing Company here in Ontario. <laughs> right? <That's it. laughs> okay. So, GB, you win the two golds. So you did you play Canada? Oh, You're playing music. Are we getting down? I don't know what's going on. Is that your ringtone? What is that? No. Two seconds. Oh boy. This is a first for the pod. Feeling it. Mid pod. It's the, it's the kids. <laughs> I do not listen to George Michael, by the way. <laughs> the kids are playing music and it's popping up on your computer. that's what happens when you're 39 and still an active player folks the kids start getting uh games change day with all these clouds (laughs) yeah i'm not got a clue what i'm doing on it either (laughs) um okay i don't know what else i got other than richie being named captain is uh kind of seems like like you got like so the core of the gb team you got you, Bouncy, Richie, O'Connor, Farmer, Myers, and a whole bunch other, right? Like Laco and that Clark that was in Nottingham. A bunch of those guys that really, the core of the team that, like, you guys all just seem like good dudes that, like, you guys really do love each other. And you guys actually kind of can't wait for the season then to play together again, right? Massively. It's, it's probably the funnest time, if I'm honest. We can tell you guys can't wait. We can tell you guys are sick of us and you want us to go back to Canada (laughs) so you can play together. I think, I think it's just, everyone's on the same page. I mean, like, you know, you know, Bouncy's kind of personality and his sense of humor. Everyone's a bit fucked up like that within the GB team, you know, like, aren't we all? Yeah, massively. And, um, yeah, I, I just think, we're, I don't know. We're all just kind of the same mold, and it just yeah. it just works. It shouldn't work, but it works. And you guys all came up together, and you guys have been through all this together, right? And um, it's not like Absolutely. it's not like the World Juniors where GB plays a year, moves up, and then the next year it's different. Nineteen year olds showing up, and they're either way worse or way better, right? It, it. You guys are together every year, and the season ends. It's the same boys, right? That's it. And and I think we, we learned how to win together with, with them. You know, there was a few years where we narrowly missed out and got the silver. That kind of prepared us and I suppose turned us into, you know, gave us that experience and, and kind of knowledge of what to do now. 
You guys didn't even get relegated then, eh? The what was how many times you played in the A group now? One or two? I uh, watched this done, year. We've done two, but there was no relegation this year. But um, actually, we would we have? I'm not sure if we would have. Maybe because it would would have been in Belarus and they couldn't get relegated, so we might have been relegated through default. Oh, because they were going to host out. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's awesome that you guys are there and seeing you guys on TSN in the morning when I wake up is just, it just warms my heart. <laughs> Seriously. It's awesome that you guys are doing it. And that um, like you see Bouncy making the big saves against Canada and the U S or whatever. And on TSN, you're like, this is, this is fun. <laughs> we had that. And then we had uh, one of the IHF um and social media people or something they come on the bus the one day and they went around every person they just said you know just tell it tell the viewers something they don't know about you so you know everyone was saying something and then it got to matthew and mizey said uh he's like i can guarantee you i'm the only, only builder in this tournament so it was, <laughs> and the, the woman was kind of like, okay. And it's because he has a full-time job as well, right, folks? <laughs> yeah. He built homes, right? Yeah, that's it. I remember it was an eye-opener for me when I went to the UK League because I had not really prepared myself for the world after hockey. That was kind of the whole journey going to the UK was do the NBA, get prepared. But when you see guys like him – and you see other Brits that were working. I actually saw it in Denmark too. That's when I really realized that I was near the end is when my teammates were working during the day. Um, his, uh, yeah, like, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I got sidetracked. <laughs> oh, preparing yourself for the real world after though is uh, the NBA and going to Cardiff and the UK. Like it, it does prepare you, right? And I think every player should head over to the UK and get the NBA if they can. I know they're offering it to better players than me now, but right. Yeah. There's a lot of them going around now. So what do you think you'll get into as a 39 year old and how many years do you think you got left? I guess you don't know until the, till that summer comes that you don't feel like training. I'll see. I'll just see how it goes. I suppose realistically a, a couple more years. Yeah. Um, and then, at the moment, we're doing uh, kind of a bit of uh, protection um, with game plan financial. Um, so we're, we're selling kind of life insurances and income protections and we do mortgages and things like that. So just kind of dipping my foot into there and, and just seeing how, how, how that world is. Um, I think That's I where Batchy's to be... with too, right? He's not with game plan, but he's doing. I think he's he's in the financial sector, isn't he? He's doing um, game plan was Gerard that. Adams, wasn't it? Yeah, Gerard Adams and a guy called Paul Sample, who uh, used to play probably ten years ago now. Uh, good friend of mine. Um, but I think I need to be hands on as well. I, you know, it'd be something I like to 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 keep keep a hold of and do. But I, I think I need to be. I need to be active, whether it's like, I don't mind being on a building site, digging holes. It, it really doesn't bother me. It, it, it kind of find it fun. I like doing stuff around the house. And uh, so maybe the fire service, something like that. Um, well, I I'd think like whoever, uh, whoever your potential boss will be, will be very happy when he hires you based off all the 
the the info I've got on you um, in the last couple of days preparing for this is everybody asks that you're just the best guy around. And uh, <laughs> in the real world, that translates, man. It doesn't, whether you've just been a hockey player your whole life, if you're a guy that is a, as a teammate that knows how to help everybody else on the team, how to help them be better instead of other people in the real world that would like to, uh, I guess, throw people under the bus or don't know how to be a teammate. Like the hockey world prepares you, right? Yeah. And I don't think I really realized that until uh, Colton Freda kind of left and retired. And he, he said, you know, you'd be amazed of what you could put down on your CV and, and, you know, in interviews, like stories that can relate to the real world. And, and when you re- really sit down and think about it, you know, there's, there's so many scenarios that you could use. Well, it's kind of like for my job, right? I was always running a power play and I've thought of this as after a power play, I would review like how I ran it, where guys were standing, where the penalty killers were, what I need to do to be better to hopefully score the next time. And now I run a team and it's like we do a project, you know, you, you plan it, you run it, and then you see how it went and where do you improve? How can I make this better? Should the guy be standing over there? Or should he be standing over there? Like, where are the opportunities here? And it, the real world is really not that much different than running a power play in my world. <laughs> yeah, you're no, you're still it. organizing where everybody goes and what they got to do, right? <laughs> that's it. It's a different way, isn't it? And you're the captain and uh, you're doing the same thing with the whole team. You're holding guys accountable. You're, you're, you're making the, uh, the culture, right? Like the captain is a big part of the culture as well as the guys around you that support you. But that is what the real world is, right? Is you got to have a good culture at work. Definitely. No, I agree. Um, well, I'm not sure if I have anything else for you other than uh, you did, you've been through all this and not really knock on wood. You haven't had too many big injuries, eh? No, not too bad. I did my did my knee uh, a few years back. Uh, I tore my MCL the first time and then it was pretty much a year to the day. It was the first game of the season. Um, the next year, I it came off the bone and so I got screws in my knee and whatever. Um, but other than that, nothing too, too major sports hernias, things like that. Yeah. You get the mesh put in then or whatever. Yeah. That was, that was probably the worst, worst one. Wasn't fun. I had that one too. Yeah. No, you can't do anything for like weeks. Right. I got real fat. Yeah. But I think I ended up, I got back on the ice after about four weeks. But I couldn't skate properly for probably another six. It and, and it was it was frustrating, really frustrating that one. Yeah, no, I let myself go after that one. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it was at the end of a season, and I wasn't going to play again. And there was like six weeks I couldn't do anything, and I was living in Germany, yeah. and I let myself go. So yeah. you did actually spend a quick moment in Germany, eh? In your career there, like you play for the same team your whole career. I did skip over this. And uh, during the pandemic, it forced you to uh, to try out a different country for a little bit, eh? Yeah, it was it was tough getting jobs, and um, mm-hmm. I was I was supposed to go to uh, Karlskrona in Sweden, um, and it just kept getting just kept getting like held off, held off, and 
they they even had flights arranged for me to go out on the Saturday and then on the the Friday morning they were like oh we just need one more week because all their and I understood it all their restrictions had just changed so you know they 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 couldn't afford at that time to bring in another player they wanted a week wait another week just to see so I was like you know that's fine um, and then a few days later there was a, a chance for me and Deluca who I play with in Sheffield to go to Passau and in Germany three there and. You know, it was, it was interesting. It was different very interesting. world over there. Yeah, different world. Yeah, it was it, unbelievable. People, the, the people who ran the team were were, were fantastic. Um, but it was we were the we were probably the Edinburgh Capitals uh, of 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 the league. Um, all the guys lived like an hour away in. Um, in hour Degendorf. away from the rank. Yeah. They were all from Degendorf, and so there was no one in Passau, just us two. It was the pandemic, so everything was shut down. So we there was no gym to to go into. You practice in you practice in the night, or you play games every kind of second, third night. And your family and probably was, wouldn't have came, eh? Family couldn't go, no. Um, so that was tough being away from the kids. And then um, they was they were going to do the um, that elite series that they did the tournament there. I was supposed to go ahead, I think, the 4th of January. Um, so our agent men- mentioned it to the team, and they'd found two players, and they were a lot cheaper. They were already in Germany, so they, they just kind of said, you know, mutually, do you, would you mind going now? And we were like, no, that's fine. Get me home. Yeah. <laughs> Get no, me I, home. I could see that. There's some uh, There's some spots in Germany you can end up that are, like, really good and healthy and fun to play in. And then there's some places that uh, – you know, uh, maybe non-pandemic, it's better. Maybe not, but there's some places in Germany you don't want to be, and the professionalism goes right out the window. And when I went to the UK, it was such a breath breath of fresh air that there were so many imports. But then the Brits were just like Canadians, and everybody yeah. kind of meshed like you wouldn't believe, right? That's it. it I remember, like, for for practice, we'd come in and, and they'd say, "Oh, we we got." a gym workout and like okay where's the gym like it's closed and it's like we just gotta uh, run up these steps and like jumps up the steps but the steps were i don't know there might have been nine steps i was like so if we're gonna do it let's do it properly like there's nine steps uh, you can't so you have to do that for 15 minutes and then you have to do 15 minute ladder work so you can't do the ladder work for 15 minutes it was just i don't know it was strange Ah, uh, the workouts in Germany can get as weird as it. You wouldn't even imagine the shit I went through, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> I no, I just was curious. I never brought that up. Okay, last one then. This is the last question, okay? Because I think I skipped this part of your Steelers time too. Was uh, other than the France uh, with your your A game boots on? Um, any Champions Hockey League or Continental Cup experiences that you remember? And like where, anywhere cool you went? Yeah, we got to see some good good places. The um, trying to think which way around it was. It was, I think we went to Frölunda and then we went straight over to Yip then in in Finland, and we just had an unbelievable time in Finland. It was, um, we found like this real cool bar, you know. So it was the it was the first couple of weeks of the season. So it was the perfect team building. Uh, exercise. We, we'd kind of drank there all night, and then there was this little lake 
and we all we all just went to the lake the next day and jumped in and just messed around like kids you know so yeah that was that was a pretty cool place yeah like i never played in the champions hockey league but getting to travel around to the different countries at the start of a season and kind of bond as a team um, I think would be really cool, especially as a UK team. Obviously, every, it's everybody's over the moon if you win a game or progress, but um, it's kind of a lose-lose, like a win-win situation, right? Like you're just going there and you're going to do the best you can, but you're also going to get to experience a lot of stuff UK teams never got to, right? Massively, yeah, massively. And it, it kind of sets you up for, this, for the beginning of the year too because you, you can you, – when you come back from them them games you can you're playing at such a speed because you've raised your level it's like getting called up to the ahl and going back to the coast that's it yeah no i agree and then but it also like you we talked about briefly monday fun days or mandatory mondays that stuff brings teams together and i can't imagine what a trip in champions hockey league does you know if you win a couple games, it would bring teams together like you wouldn't believe. Even if you lose them, like you're still out experiencing the world, having life experiences as like brothers, right? That's it. Actually, I remember Paul Thompson when we were in uh, Salzburg and that we we played horrendous. We were in Sweden two nights before, played really well. And then by the time we got to Salzburg, we were so tired. And uh, we, it was about 6-0 after, after the, the second period. And Tom would kind of turn around and, and just say, he was like, right, if this period don't improve, no one's going out. And everyone just like turned to me and they're like, John, saw it out, saw it out. And I'm like, we're going out, boys. It's all right. We're going out. Don't we're doing out. the best we can. We're going. This <laughs> is <Yeah. It's> Salzburg. <laughs> yeah. And this is a one-time chance. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you guys beat us 11 nothing after we win the Challenge Cup. We had to floor it that night, you know? <laughs> Sorry, guys, if I was the ringleader. I didn't mean to be, but I think we were all involved. <laughs> um, no, but I just, uh, the main reason I wanted to have you on, this is a podcast, you know, like when we were playing against each other, I'd never say anything nice to you. I usually wouldn't. I'd usually chirp you like you're bouncy in this and yeah. all the rest of them but um the reason i wanted to have you on is what i saw you do for matthew myers and from what i had heard about you and you can just tell when you watch hockey games you know who leaders are you know the good guys you know kind of who the douchebags are too by watching a hockey game it really doesn't take long and um it's like actually simsy told me is like you show respect to the guy giving the ticket at the car park to the owner, everybody's even, everybody's just a person and you give everybody respect. And uh, that's kind of like how I am. And I think that's why I can do this. Um, yeah. So that's why I wanted to have you on. So way to go. No, appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. And uh, hopefully the boys have a good hockey uh, practice here. Um, if they already left and, uh, but maybe someday we'll see them in the EIHLA. Hopefully, mate. Yeah. Well, maybe no, a different sport. Maybe football. <laughs> let's, get them into, let's get them into some money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's probably a bit more of that, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, 
I'm just trying to keep the Steelers fans happy because they'll retweet episodes. Cardiff won't, you know, we got, we got to start mixing up the teams here if Cardiff won't retweet. So we're going to get everybody on folks. Anyways, thank you for coming on. And this has been another episode of two ales and hockey tales with Jono and Wally. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Santa Claus. I'm like Pizza Town Van Van. I'm always speaking my mind when I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. If I'm a legend in my own mind, I'm good for some, but I'm not for